This is the Suicide Prevention Show. We are waking up the world with the power of positivity. We are making suicide, especially teen suicide, a thing of the past. And I am super excited to be sharing with you today our guest, none other than Les Brown. Les Brown is one of those people that I could just listen to to talk forever. We're not going to have forever, but we are going to have enough time that you can ask questions. And we're going to go into self-motivation, the three keys you need to succeed. And when Les Brown talks about success, listen up. There might be something here you're going to want to write down. So Les, wave your magic wand, turn on your camera, join me. Here we go. Magic! <laughs> Hello, how are you? I am well. I am so excited to see you. It's been such a long time. I know it's only been about a year or so, but still it feels Yes. Like well, I enjoy listening to you. You are so powerful. Thank <laughs> you very much for having me here. It's a pleasure. And yes, congratulations to you for the work that you're doing and, and the the difference in the impact that you're making on the planet. This is something that's needed now more than ever before. As you are aware, before the coronavirus, in the United States, the suicide rate increased by 32%. And it has gone up higher since then. And we've had young people as, long, as young as five years of age to commit suicide. So what you're doing, the work that you're doing, and teaching people how to, what I say, that's major in, in, in lowering the suicide rate is to distract, dispute, and inspire. Uh, let me share with you what I mean by that. How people live their lives is a result of the story they believe about themselves. I was on Clubhouse the other night and a young man came on and said, Mr. Brown, I said, yes, I've been waiting 17 years for this. I said, you have? He said, yes. He said, I was going through a tough time and I wanted to take my life and I put the gun to my head and I pulled the trigger and it didn't go off. And, and then I heard your voice in me and it stopped me. I heard you say, life is God's gift to us. And I decided that I was not going to destroy this gift that had been given to me by God. What we do, what you do, and what you've committed your life to do is to distract people who feel powerless and helpless and in despair and feel like they can't overcome the pain that they're facing. You distract them from that feeling of hopelessness distract, dispute through your presentation, through the coaching and the people that are listening now, you dismantle their current belief system of feeling helpless. You remind them greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You remind them Simba and Lion King, you're more than that which you have become. You remind them you're more than a conqueror. You can get through this. This has not come to stay. It has come to pass. And you inspire them not to lead with their pain or their past or their despair, but to take life on. That's what you do. 
and that's needed now more than ever with the coronavirus, with the new version of the coronavirus, with the mixed political messaging, with the quarantines, with the unemployment, with the foreclosures, all the things that's happening right now. My, my, my youngest daughter, she's in Austin, Texas, and she called me voice quivering. We have no electricity. We can't drink the water. We have to boil the water before we drink it. We're trying to melt the snow and we have limited food. And we can't have food delivered to us. They say it'll take until perhaps the 27th. No matter how old your children get, they're still your children. And, and I said, it's gonna be all right. You're gonna get through this. And she said, how are we gonna survive for seven days without water? I said, baby, you can boil the water. My electricity is off. Daddy, I can't. What do I do now? I said, let me see who I know who lives near you to help get some help for you. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on what has happened. Focus on what are you going to do now? Focus on how you're going to stabilize my nephew and my niece. That's with you now. My grandchildren that are over there with you now. And so I had to distract her from what was stressing her out and causing her to start having anxiety attacks. Her, her breathing started getting short. And I said, breathe deeply. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> Stress management intervention tool number one, take a deep breath. Yes, yes. Whew. And we, we were able to stabilize her. There are a lot of people that don't have someone that they can call. A lot of people that are lonely right now. So the work that you're doing so important, I remember, and I'm sure you remember the young man who jumped off the Golden Bridge. And he said, the moment he let go, he realized that he made a mistake. He was among the few that survived. And they asked him, why did you do it? He said, when I left home, I said to myself, if somebody would recognize me, if somebody would smile or paid attention to me, I wouldn't take my life. And no one did. He felt invisible. He felt he was in this world all by himself. Mm -hmm. And he jumped. Fortunately, he survived. Journey that we are all on together right now, Les, is such a big deal. And I've had people writing in questions that they're like, you know, Jackie, can you ask Les, you know, what, how do we talk to our kids to let them know that we're all going to survive this, to speak to what you were just walking your daughter through in Texas? What, what can we say? And here's another way, because I got some similar questions from different people. This one's from my friend, Dr. Marnie. The first one was from an educator, Rudy Duran, but they're very similar. 
Dr. Marnie says, how can parents in this day and age where we're surrounded by quick fixes and immediate reward culture, teach young children that everyone experiences dark and difficult times and show them that these times often are our greatest success lessons and then teach them the skills to navigate this? It's a big question, Les, but you're a big man. You're up. Not the record show. I'm ready for it. You're right. Yes. Life is built on disruptions, transformation, and choices. When the doctor at Cancer Centers of America here in Atlanta looked at me and said, Mr. Brown, you have fourth stage cancer. Your PSA is 2,400. I said, what does that mean? One to four is normal. Is there anything else? Yes. And it has metastasized the seven areas of your body, including the spine. I said, is there anything else? He said, yes. I said, what is it? He said, and you're ugly too. <laughs> I said, what? You gotta be kidding me. You didn't call me ugly. This is serious, man. He said, but you got this. He said, I don't tell my patients they're terminally ill. What I say is that my knowledge, my abilities, and my skills have terminated. I only determine the diagnosis. You and God determines the prognosis. Ooh, and good doctor. I like yes, that. Yes, and so I left his office. Instead of a heart full of fear and fear that that most people in the face of fear forget everything and run. Yeah, that's my favorite use of that acronym. Yes, but there are some people who face everything and rise. The ones who rise are the ones who know he'll never leave you nor forsake you. The ones who know this has not come to stay, it has come to pass. The ones who know Think it not strange that you have faced the fiery furnaces of this world. You will, not you might, you will have tribulations. The ones who know what Forrest Gump meant when he said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good invitation there, love. Thank you very kindly. Yes, I say to my kids, hey, this is our time. Life happens to everybody. This is our time. It's not personal. Don't call everybody and talk about how bad things are. Just be glad when they come up with the statistics that you're not in that number, that you're still here. You're not taking a dirt nap. And do what you can where you are with what you have. Some things happen to you and some things happen for you. This is a time that we wanna roll up our sleeves and help some other people who are going through some stuff right now. Well, you got that right. People are going through some stuff. Yes. All of us are going through some stuff. As my daughter told me, my daughter, Stephanie, she said, mama, somebody said, we're all in the same boat. And I told them, no, we're not. We might all be in the same storm, but my boat does not look like your boat. And so we're not all in the same boat, but right now, globally, for the first time since the flood, we are having a common global human experience. And yeah. the challenge is that we don't know how to come together as a world. 
And we barely know how to come together as a family sometimes. This is true. And, and what we have to do is one, create a ritual that helps you to build mental resiliency. When I get up in the morning, I say all things work together for good for those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. And then I say, Lord, whatever I face today together, you and I can handle it. And then I write down seven things that I'm grateful for. And then I review the things that I wrote the night before, what I wanna get out of the day so that I will be focused on what it takes for me to keep moving and not get paralyzed in fear about what has happened. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. And the next thing is, what I do is I encourage people to create collaborative achievement-driven supportive relationships. Whoa, that's a mouthful. Start that again. Collaborative achievement-driven supportive relationships. I have friends that we talk about what we're going to do now in the midst of this. And when we come out of this and we send memes back and forth to each other to laugh. There's nothing as powerful as laughter. Laughter is a lubricant for the mind. So we <laughs> laugh a lot. That's very important. One minute of laughter is very important. Will boost your immune system for over 24 hours. One minute of anger and fear weakens your immune system for four to five hours. So I watch old comedies, Lucille Ball, I Love Lucy, uh, Jimmy and Randy, good night, good night, good night, good night, Miss Calabish, wherever you are. <laughs> I watch Groucho Marx and funny things, Richie Pryor, all of those kinds of things to, to put my mind in another place. And I don't watch the news because they say garbage in, garbage out. No, garbage in, garbage stays. <laughs> yeah, we're not computers. We're no, stuck. it stinks and it shows up in your attitude and your mindset and it will frighten you. I was so frightened one day I sneezed, nobody's in the room but me and I ran out. <laughs> it came back spraying Lysol, said, did I get everything? <laughs> <laughs> I have a squirrel, I speak squirrely now, named Tyrone, and he's taught me how to talk to other squirrels outside my window. I don't go anywhere. I practice social distancing. <laughs> Even from the squirrels, I hear you. That's right, that's right, yes. So you, you, we have to work at it because this is new. We've never been here before. We want to acknowledge that it's real and that we can handle it. Something Robert Shula said, tough times never last, but tough people do. Hmm. We're stronger than we give ourselves credit for being. That's an interesting point because one of the other questions I've had that was given to me was, we've got a culture that says we've got to be seen as strong. We can't admit weakness, especially for men. 
And so if someone is struggling with suicidal thoughts and they're afraid to actually seek help or even talk about it with anybody because there could be consequences. They're afraid they'll lose their job. They're afraid that they'll be in a 72 hour hold. You know, they've got real legitimate fears. What can we say to them that will help them just ignore the stigma and get the help? First of all, if you think about killing yourself, you will lose your job anyhow. Here's what I say to people. <laughs> Ask for help, not because you're weak, but because you want to remain strong and ask for help and don't stop until you get it. Most people won't ask for help because of pride. Pride cometh before fall because of ego. Ego means edging God out. A young man the other day committed suicide. He invested in some type of financial scheme and he thought he had lost. He killed himself and his family found out he had won. And he took a temporary situation and made a permanent decision mm. on how he was going to address it. Well, when we look at things, there's a gentleman who received the Nobel Peace Prize for this. He said, when you're going through a crisis, when you look at it, he said, don't make any decisions at that time because it's not as bad as you think that it is. Sometimes we need to back up, get still, be still and know, and put it in perspective. Rather than react, we want to respond. Lord, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, you have a valid point, and there's a question here. Because when it comes to kids, they don't have the ability to pause. They don't have a prefrontal cortex that's fully developed, not until they're over 24. And so how can we, or what do you think would be a way to help the teens? Because I've been listening to experts and interviewing experts for two days. And what we're starting to discover is that the current isolation, the current remote learning is actually creating developmental delays in our kids because they're not getting the connections that we need to actually thrive. And so when they come out of this e-learning environment, the remote learning environment and go back into the classroom, they're not gonna be mentally and emotionally as far along as they would have been. What can we give them? What would help them to be able to catch back up? Or... We have to figure it out. We don't know. We've never been here before. That's true. So we have to figure it out. What do we do now? Yeah. If we can figure out how to go to the moon. When I was a kid, to illustrate that something was impossible, you would say, we have as much chance of doing that as a man going to the moon. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 
We can't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. We will have to figure this thing out and understand and know our kids are listening to us. I read an article the other day that said our kids are not okay. They are listening to our conversations. They are watching us and how we are dealing with this. And what we have to do is hold ourselves to a higher standard. A lady committed suicide and took her special needs kid with her. This is someone that had just really given up. My assistant for my wife, my wife, for my daughter, and, and, and for one of the people that work with me, she serves three of us. Her nephew had a dispute with his mother today in Atlanta, stabbed her 17 times. There are people that are snapping. They and are. So, we yes. are so much pressure right now. Whether yes, so, so prayer and meditation, getting still, getting proper sleep is very important. Having a vision of what life is going to be like when we get through here, rather than just talking about how bad things are. We must call forth those things that be not as though they were. Faith not tested can't be trusted. It's easy to have faith there's no, if there's no pandemic, if your marriage is working, you know, divorce up 40%, domestic violence has increased. It's easy to have faith when you have money in the bank, the children acting like they have good sense. <laughs> You're right. It is easy to have faith when our children are acting like they have good sense. Yeah, but when life not, like the coronavirus that we never saw coming. Yeah, you're right. That's no when we it. have to tap into our faith. So many people are questioning their faith rather than tapping into it less. They're questioning, and, and it's you know, it reminds me, it echoes the words that I was hearing when I read about World War II and I read about the Holocaust and the people who were like, if there is a God, how could he allow this to happen? So for people who are questioning rather than relying on their faith less, what can we tell them? I think there's a reason that we're taught Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I don't know why my birth mother gave me away. I don't know the circumstances that existed that she said to herself, I can't keep these twins. Rumor has it that she got pregnant while her husband was away in World War II. And the best thing she did for us is waited. She wouldn't let anybody adopt us who wanted to separate us. I don't know what kind of life that I would have had had she kept us. Mm. Everything, as I look back now, that I've experienced, Jackie, there's some things that you feel happen to you. But when you look back, you realize they happened for you. 
I would not be the person that I am now had I not gone through the ups and downs, the foreclosure, my car had been repossessed, been fired from a job because I asked for a raise that I earned. Everything that I have gone through. Marion White said in life, when, when you don't have enough courage and insight to know that you've outgrown a situation, it's time to move on. Life will move on you. Someone else said, many times in our lives, when we have a teeth rattling experience, we run to God only to discover that it's God that's doing the shaking. When I went to Poland and I went into the chambers and I saw people, pictures who were led into what they thought was supposed to be a shower, mm -hmm. it was a gas chamber. And and when we came out, right to our right, there's a crematory where they, after they gassed the Jews, they cremated them. And then they went home and had dinner. I don't know. I don't understand man's inhumanity to man. I understand never again, mm. never again. I don't know how could this country built on the worst form of history in the history of the world, the worst form of man's inhumanity to man. In this country, in Florida, they used to feed black babies to crocodiles and alligators. The term picnic came from pick a nigger. And they would come out and have, ban have baskets of food and made fun as some black person was lynched. Pick, Nick. Benjamin Franklin said, until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are affected, change will never change, change will never come about. I don't know. I said, if I, if, if I had been God, I would intervene. That God is obviously a spectator. I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's above my pay grade, but I don't question it. I, I'm standing on faith that a better day is coming. I don't understand this. My, my mother died on May the 22nd and the next morning in the Miami Herald, I read where this guy who was a part of the mafia, he survived an operation. This guy had been a hitman, and he survived with my mother who raised children that weren't hers. And, I remember questioning God, how could you let this happen to my mother? And then I remember 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, my God is able to save us, but if not, we still won't bow. And so I decided, as I was holding my mother's lifeless hand, Lord, I wanted you to save her, and I know that you could have, but you didn't. And I still won't bow. I still believe. I still believe it hurts. I will miss her. But I'm reminded of what the poet said, if you but knew where I stepped, you will wonder why you wept. We all have an expiration date. And I thank you for the, the time that I spent with her. Thank you. I won't focus on that she's gone. I'll focus on that she was my gift from you. That might actually be the solution. What if, instead of focusing on what we lost, we focus on what we were gifted that we might have even taken for granted? Yes. Or taken from it? Yes. If we could create a culture of people who focus on what we have been given, whether we still have it or not, does not change the fact that it was gifted to us. Everything that we have that we love so much, we believe that we created this. And the reality is that we didn't create the system. We're just playing the game that somebody else set up. Absolutely. Life is God's gift to us and how we live our lives is our gift to God. Oh, I remember reading that quote. Yeah, Les, you are one of the most quotable people that I have ever had the pleasure of interviewing. Let's talk in quotes for just a minute, all right? Because you are known as the man of quotes on leadership and on motivation. You probably have hundreds, if not thousands of them. They pop up everywhere. When it comes to our current need to come together, to come back together as a tribe, as a tribe in our families, as a tribe in our communities, as a tribe in our country, as a tribe in our world. What would you tell people? Evil prevails when good men and women do nothing. We have seen a level of evil unleashed in this country for four years. And when something happens, there's the perpetrator, there's the victim, and there are the witnesses. And the question is asked, which is the worst? And the answer is the witnesses. Because at any point in time, they could have intervened and said, this is wrong. This is wrong. And they were silent. So this is a dangerous time for us. A very dangerous time. Because hatred and power and corrupt thinking is more important to most of our political leaders than their values, than the sense of morality, and what is right.
And what we have to do is continue to stand up. What we have to do is to continue to, when I was in radio, I had this saying, stand up for what you believe in because you can fall for anything. I remember when a story about Bob Marley, he was interviewed by a reporter and Bob Marley had been shot. And reporter asked him, you are Bob Marley. Why did you do this concert tonight? You could have taken off. And Bob Marley said, people who do evil in the world don't take a day off. Why should I? And we have to work harder to live a life that will outlive us, to leave a legacy. We have to understand the words of Horace Mann, who said we should be ashamed to die until we have made some major contribution to humankind. We must understand the words of Leo Tolstoy, the Russian author who said, as I face inevitable death, what in the meaning and purpose of my life that will not be undone or destroyed when I'm gone? So we should be building a legacy, working in a spirit of optimism to leave the world in better shape than how we found it. What an awesome thought that we could, and maybe it's a possibility that we could take our eyes off of what is immediately in front of us that feels like a struggle and put our eyes on what is the legacy that you wanna leave? What is the legacy that you want? What is it you wanna be remembered for? And I've seen exercises you know, where you write your own eulogy or you write what you want people to put on your tombstone as a way of getting this conversation started, but I don't think they go far enough less. What can we do to help people go one step further? Not what do you want to be remembered for, but what do you want people to still be doing and living after you're gone? I'm so glad you, you position it like that because something Winston Churchill, he said that history will be kind to me because I'm going to write it. <laughs> oh yeah that would be Winston Churchill yeah you know most people read history but some people write it and I think that we should acknowledge the reality that we have the power to write a different script to change the course of history that we were chosen for being here at this point in time that you were chosen one out of 400 million sperm, that you are a masterpiece because you're a piece of the master. <laughs> what history, all right, let's, let's just take it personal. What history do you wanna write? I told my kids if they tell them that I have died, sneak into the funeral home, don't let them embalm me for three days and put a microphone in my hand. If I don't grab it and say, you gotta be hungry, <laughs> say dad is gone. 
and put on my tombstone, I aspired to inspire until I transpired. I aspired to inspire until I transpired. So what's the legacy last? that you want to leave? No, not transpired, expired, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, there we go, okay. Yeah, I aspired to inspire until I expired. Yeah. Now, yeah. that's the quote from Les Brown that I know. Yeah. I aspire to inspire until, until I-, I expire, yes. And I thought maybe you were going a different way with this one this time. And no, I, was, I just I thought about the fact <laughs> that life is built on disruptions and transformations. and. I just turned 75 February the 17th. So sometimes <laughs> things run together. <laughs> well, you and my guy are gentlemen of a the same age. So yeah. I get this. The power of what we're seeing happen in the world, Les, where as much as there are the challenges, I mean, there's the reality, the observable phenomenon of your daughter in Texas trying to figure it out without electricity, without the ability to get food delivered, with the need to be able to boil water. And the that's a reality. So we're living in these times where there are some things that are realities. And there's also the alternate reality. There are people like you who are stepping up and saying, change it. We can change it. We can change it. We've been given authority and dominion over everything. We're in a new place. Einstein said, the thinking that has brought me this far has created some problems that this thinking can't solve. So that means that we now need to work together. We need to turn to each other rather than on each other. Oh, now there's some truisms. All right, that's the truer words were never spoken. We need to turn to each other rather than on each other. Yes. What can we do less to help people get the fact that it's safe to turn to your neighbor? It is, come on, we are an unlikely couple. Let's just name the elephant in the room. We're the odd couple. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a white woman over here who came from a family of evangelical preachers in the deep south with a military dad and a school teacher mama. And you are a gentleman of color in Georgia. And we are having a conversation as peers. And this is a new age in the world. And I wish people would realize that they could turn to each other. When I reached out and said, Les, I've got my summit coming up. This is something I know is near and dear to your heart to help inspire, because that's what you aspire to do. Come and inspire on this show, on this topic. And you said yes. And your team worked a flipping miracle to get you on this show with short notice. And I don't underestimate that because I know what my calendar looks like. Yes. So here you are, we are such a unique polarity. What are we going to do to help other people get the fact that the outside of us does not matter? We can turn to each other. We don't have to turn on each other. 
A person convinced a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. We must be the messengers and the message. We must hold the vision and continue to work. There are people who paid the price for us to be here, mm. who didn't live to see what we are now living and experiencing. Dr. King didn't get to see where you and I are. He said, I've seen the promised land. I might not get there with you, mm -hmm. but he did what he could. Nelson Mandela did what he could. And that's what we must do. We will be best served by not questioning God, but do what we can where we are with what we have and never be satisfied until we check out. Live each day as Frank Sinatra said, and I was in Vegas with Gladys, he said, live each day as if it were your last because one day it will be and do some good. The greatest among you will be your servant. I represent a, a Jewish carpenter, so I like to quote him. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you do quote him very well. And having, like I said, my grandpa was an evangelical preacher. So I listen to you and I am taken back into the preaching days of my world. And it was a moment in time when I got the fact. And for some people, this might be hard to hear. But I got the fact that if prayer is asking God a question, then meditation is listening for the answer. And the moment that I heard a lay preacher say that from the pulpit, I realized this is why I struggle to meditate. I didn't want to hear the answer because it might call me to do something that I'm a little uncomfortable with, like talk about my daughter's suicide attempt. I avoided the conversation with God because I did not want to hear what God wanted me to do. If you were going to inspire someone to go ahead and listen to the guidance of God, what would you say to them? I would say, listen to the still small voice within. There are things that we will never be able to get our minds around, mm -hmm. never. And we want to live a heart-centered life. Be directed by our heart to know that whatever happens in this thing called life, that things are going to work out either here or on the other side. I think that the people who lay their lives on the line like Mahatma Gandhi, Albert Schweitzer, Dr. Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa, all the people that have gone before us who fought for a world that they did not get to see, but they had hope in their heart. And that's what kept them going. And there's hope in the future that gives you power in the present. 
we never, we must never lose hope. Ooh, that's a quotable. When there's hope in the future, there is power in the present. Yes. That's a lovely way of stating it. You know, now I got something going on in the chat where a gentleman is saying that he intends to help frustrated and overwhelmed city schools eradicate bullying and that we have to stop blaming parents and lack of money and eradicate bullying. He believes if we can do that, attendance and graduation rates will improve. What do you think about this? What do you think? He's got his hand raised. So I think that all of us, all hands on deck, we should all step up and do what we can to play a role in eliminating that in our culture, because we can. And, and so now they're, they're signaling me for the other Zoom I've got to get on. Oh, got it. Yeah, well, yes. there we go. You are going from one event to the other. And let me tell you what, I just want to say again, Les, thank you so so very, very much for making the time to join us tonight. Thank you for the work that you're doing, the light that you're bringing, and the blessing that you are to so many. I appreciate you. God bless you.